Death is peaceful. Life is hard. Stephanie Myers, Twilight. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Hello, nobody, and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, like always. Uh, And as far as I believe, we are still the only podcast that is solely devoted to discussing Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. This week, we have a very special guest that I am very lucky and privileged to have on. He is an author of two books. He is a comedian. He is a new TV writer. And the biggest credit of all, he is one of my best friends. We have toured all over the place. Mr. Conrad Bromberic, how are you, sir? I am doing great. Just had some tuna mac and cheese, and I am ready to go. That sounds delicious. Uh, What kind of cheese was it? It was it was a craft mac and cheese. Just add tuna and then broccoli and carrots and green onions and garlic, sautéed up beforehand. <laughs> well, that's a lot of stuff. That's uh, that's kind of crazy how the dish is called macaroni and cheese, right? And yeah. then and that's all you said: macaroni and cheese and tuna. And then I ask you about the specific ingredients, and then you start listing a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, it was uh, a lot. You're you're becoming a chef now, aren't you? I'm trying. I really I want to stop everything else I'm doing and go to culinary school. I just want Gordon Ramsay to yell in my face. That's my goal for life now. That's that's a good goal, I think. Well, what what have you been up to since since the the pandemic started? I know you were doing comedy before. We were doing comedy. We were the co-hosts of the World Series of Comedy. Yes, we <laughs> for were. A while. We indeed. Well, right now I'm just uh, writing a lot, uh, whether it's TV writing, poetry. Um, I'm learning how to make the letter A uh, instead of just a regular handwriting A. Now it's the like typed A with the little hook on the top. I'm teaching myself to write my A's like that. Um, you know, very important things for my career. Yeah. <laughs> with with the serif. Yes, with that- the serif on top. I think. Yeah, that's what uh, the little the little hooks and hands on the different letters. I finally learned. Uh, those sans fonts. serif. Yes. Yeah. Times uh, uh, Courier New. That's 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 type. That's like you're typing on a typewriter. So I'm trying to teach myself all the fonts by hand. <laughs> by the end of <laughs> this. Well, get ready for wingdings. It's a doozy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you on is because uh, this is is a podcast about my favorite movie of all time, Silver Linings Playbook. And are you familiar with Silver Linings Playbook? Very much so. I've watched it numerous times. That's that's great. What what do you think about it? I enjoy it. I think it's a good movie. I don't um, necessarily like the ending. Uh, I don't I don't like when everything wraps up nice, you know, um, but but mainly that's because I think it, it that's from the book, you know, the book wrapped up nice and and you don't want to leave a book at an end where it's like no one's happy because then your readers will be like, well, why did I waste 400 pages of my life 
reading this and it just turns out to be chaos at the end anyway. I think that's kind of where that stems from. But I do like, I mean, the acting's good. The story is good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, who doesn't like that very attractive actor, Robert De Niro? So. Oh my goodness. All the, uh, everybody's beautiful. Uh, Jackie Weaver is the mom. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and she is like the perfect mom in, in that movie. I was, uh, yeah. if, if you look up the actual actress, I was, I'm not super familiar with her. I guess she's an Australian actress that mostly has done Australian movies that I wasn't familiar with. She looks totally different from how her character looks, which is surprising. Because yeah. it doesn't look like a super made-up character; it just looks like very authentic. But uh, yeah, I might be uh, I might be thinking of the wrong person. But um, Jackie Weaver was she in Breaking Bad as well? Um, was she the, was she Jesse's mom in Breaking Bad? I might have been. I might just be. You know. Oh my goodness! I don't know. I have up. like four screens by me. Yeah. Uh, and I will look that up. I'll get my assistant to look that up. Hey, me, look that up. All right. We are looking that up. And if you are right, I will give you the first point of the game. You didn't know you were playing a game, did you? I don't think I'm right, though. Uh, I, uh, I just, I, they, they, they seem familiar. Like, they, they seem like the same mother, but in a good way. Absolutely. Yeah, she could be anybody's mom, I think. I do not see it. Um, she actually has a lot of credits, but I think almost all of these are Australian. I don't recognize any of these shows. Um, Riptide, uh, Silent Number, The Seven Ages of Men, The Dick Emery Show in Australia, Cop Show, Water Under the Bridge, Trial by Marriage. Yeah, I do not see. I do not see Breaking Bad on there. Maybe that just means she was the best actress, right? She was so good. IMDb didn't even catch it. Okay, so I'm recording again. Sorry for that little uh, technological something. I don't. I'm not the best. Was it me? As what Harlan, person? as Harlan, uh, Harlan Williams says in Rocket Man, <laughs> wasn't me. It, it definitely was not you. It was not. So no. What? Uh, what? Let's see. We were talking uh, about. Um, Jackie Weaver in writing. And one of the reasons I wanted to, to have you on as a guest is because I know you are a writer, uh, both as, as a comedy writer. We, we both do stand-up comedy, writing our, our own material and shows. But I know you write a whole bunch of other stuff, including books and short stories and stuff. What, what kind of writing background do you have? Uh, I did I, nothing so formal. I did um, – in college, I was in theater, and I did – uh, pretty much everything you could do in theater as far as acting and background work, um, backstage, you know, working as a as a stage manager um, to writing plays to all of that. So that's the only formal writing training I got um, other than like high school English class and um, creative writing. Uh, I just I took a liking to poetry first off and I started writing poems and I really love the flow of poetry and the stories that could be told through a poem that is you know three sentences long haikus if you will 
Um, absolutely, absolutely. I know about haikus. Hey, uh, <laughs> now, uh, what is what is some of your favorite uh, either poets or poet po poeters? Um, I don't know the word. Poems, poems. That's the word I was looking poems? for. Poems, poets, and poems. Po- poets and poems. Yes. Um, which is actually my podcast. No. I don't okay. <laughs> um, lo- I love Shel Silverstein. Uh, he's one of a, a huge, he's oh, a yeah. huge influence. Um, Dr. Seuss, um, minus all of his political stuff. I got you. Um, did, did you know that, uh, Shel Silverstein, the one fantastic, um, poet and author, uh, especially cause I know him that he, he collaborated a lot or, or was good friends with, uh, my favorite musician, Chris Christopherson. I did not know that. Which and he and Chris Christopherson is often considered one of the the more poetic lyricists of the outlaw country movement. But uh, that was that was an interesting thing. I, I won't pretend like I've known that forever. I learned that when I read a biography on him. But uh, anyway, I just like I like your pick because he's connected to to my music pick. I did not know that. That is that is interesting. I might start. Um, you know, biting the bullet and listening to country music now. Um, well, well, how's your life going? Bullets. I have the bullets, just not biting them. Well, I then come on the over. Mat. That that, that uh, country musical puts you across the edge. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like the classics. Like, um, I, I like people who break the norm. Like, they know the rules and then they break the norm. Like, E.E. E. Cummings, I love him. Mm-hmm. Not just because his name's hilarious. But because his poems, E-E. yeah, E-E. <laughs> he's like E, like m- like Mini Me and Austin Powers. Uh, he he, one of my favorite poems by him is the Grasshopper, and it's not even a good poem, and I don't even remember it. But the way he wrote it on the page, it was mm-hmm. in the shape of a grasshopper, and that was so cool to me as a child. Yeah. Um, and then like Sylvia Plath, Edgar Allan Poe, um, dark. I like Edgar Allan Poe because he's not only uh, a poet. He writes short stories, um, short, almost H.P. Lovecraftian stories. Yeah, Sylvia Plath, you say? That's really that's an interesting author. Have you ever read The Bell Jar? I have, yes, way way back. I haven't read it recently, so fair don't enough. Me on it. I, here's the thing. I, if you had asked me last week if I had ever read The Bell Jar, I would say no. But last week I read The Bell Jar. And one of the interesting things about it is, so the, the book that Pat is reading in the movie, Silver Linings Playbook, is A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. And it's mm-hmm. where he, he sort of he gets all upset about it and then goes into his, his parents' bedroom and, and starts flipping out uh, about, like, why can't anybody have a happy ending? In the book, the Silver Linings Playbook, the book he is reading is The Bell Jar. Huh. Uh, and it's, I think that's an interesting change that happened in bet- between the the book and the movie of Silver Linings Playbook. And I was trying to think about that. And I, and, and one of the things I think that's really interesting is that the, the one, the, the Bell Jar was, um, I mean, you know, even if you can't remember specifically, generally, you know, about a woman's mental breakdown and that she gets uh, institutionalized. 
and stuff. But I think it's sort of metaphor. There's there's a lot of metaphor and crossover to the themes in the movie Silver Linings Playbook from that book. Yeah, um, I'm sure that um, I forgot who wrote the book Silver Linings Playbook. I'm sure you can Matthew Quick. Matthew Quick, I knew that. Uh, I'm sure Matthew Quick had that was part of his not research but influence um, because of those. You know, if you're writing a book um, about mental illness, mental breakdown, the bell jar is one mm-hmm. of the go-to ones. I mean, anything by Sylvia Plath really has good, I don't want to use the word heady, but it's like mm-hmm. a lot of mental, um, I don't even know the word to use, but it, it's very mental and you can... Sure. see those underlying veins throughout her writing which is really cool i mean i wrote i read this book called um the the guy who wasn't there when i was writing one of my books because it had to deal with seeing people that weren't there and that's in one of my books that's one of the stories behind it is that the there's actually not that person's not there. Tell me about your books. I I've read them and they're great. And anybody uh, will have links in the show notes to where you can get those and information about them. But uh, from the author, tell tell us about the books you've written. Um, one of the uh, the poetry book, um, cute and deep. Um, Love the title. Is thank you. And it's it's um, the capitalization makes it look like cut deep um, because it's supposed to really mean something the poems are meaningful um also i just finished reading bo burnham's poetry book um and i figured wow i could do better than that (laughs) so (laughs) so uh that's kind of why i did the the poetry book i mean i always wanted to do a poetry book i just never collaborated all of my poems together into one place and uh, finally, I did and came out with that one. And it ranges from, you know, just something very satirical uh, commentary on everyday life to just something being funny for funny's sake to make you smile um, as far as poems-wise. Mm-hmm. And that's that that came from the Shel Silverstein influence because some of his poems, you read it and you're like, wow, that is yeah awesome. And then sometimes you read it and you're like, well, that was just hilarious. There's nothing else to it. Um, What's a so fun book? I, I, I tell yeah. you, because I, I, you know, I'll tell all my listener that um, it's, a, it's a fun collection. I know you have, you have a good variety of different style of poems in it, too, uh, that are a lot of fun, um, different topics. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, as I was writing it, I, I went and looked up every single type of poem that they had like haikus acoustics um sonnets and i wanted to include at least one of each in there and i honestly think i did not put in haikus uh (laughs) which is weird because that's how i kind of got into poetry um (laughs) but um they're usually boring anyway they're usually (laughs) it's uh it's it's the easiest kind of poem for me to identify because i mean i think i think most most people who know nothing about poetry are at least familiar am i right that it's it's a five syllable line a seven syllable and then five syllable line yes so that's that's easy easy to remember 
Is there anything else defining about a haiku that makes it a haiku? Uh, traditionally, haikus are about uh, nature. Okay. So, so yes, you can have a five seven five haiku about you know whatever, but for it to be a, a true like haiku, um, it has to be somewhat about nature. I. I hate to say this, but I and this is not about you. This is about the the, the genre. I think I have always found haikus boring. Yeah, no, I I said it. They're yeah, they're, they're boring. They're like there can be fun haikus, but mm-hmm. I prefer limericks because limericks are kind of that. They mm-hmm. have that style, that rhyme scheme, and it also fits well into song. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the thing about the haiku too. That it, it from from what I've seen, and to be fair, I've never read like master haikuists, but I feel like it's when I see them written, it's so much about oh somebody was fulfilling the format that mm-hmm. I I've never read one personally that that really spoke to me as like having an interesting story message, and maybe that's because it's too short, and I haven't read the best of the best when it comes to haikus. But there's other poems which I have enjoyed immensely because uh, I've, I've thought they were great, but they were a little more robust as well. Or uh, like the, uh, what were you saying? The grasshopper is is one of your most memorable. Yes, from E. E. Cummings. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, I don't even remember the name, like, the, like what the poem was about. Obviously, it was, it was about a grasshopper, but I don't remember what the grasshopper was doing. You know, if mm-hmm. it was. Uh, anapromorphic where he talks or whatever but i remember that it was um it was very cool that he broke he broke Mm -hmm. the mold of just you know writing down lines in a rhyme scheme he's like this is a poem it's in a regular whatever kind of format i want yeah well i'm i'm interested in getting into poetry i mean i'm also uh like you a, a writer and i sort of uh, don't have I and I you know what earlier I meant to say I wasn't asking even about your your training I don't necessarily have a lot of formal writing training I'm more interested in in what people's passion is and what they're doing uh, so I'm interested in in poetry I've been reading more re- recently uh, and I would love to write some I wrote s- some in little school uh, do you have any advice on how I could start or what I what I should be studying to learn more about it um, study what you love. Don't, don't say, oh, I have to read Shakespeare's sonnets because it's the best. Like, yes, Who writes poems good. about titties? Um, Wheeler Walker <laughs> Jr. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong there. And it's country music-ish. So, all right, uh, moving on. You've, you've, you've yeah, solved that one. All right, and um, and tell me about your other book too. I've also read that, and uh, it's that's it's it's a totally different style. That's a story that you wrote, uh, but it covers a lot of similar themes too, and it's very personal. And I think it's it's very inventive and great as well. Uh, what what inspired you about that? Tell tell me about your other book. It's uh it's called Mind Matter, um, but it looks like Mind Over Matter. Uh, it it originally was going to be. Um, a self-help book. It was entitled um, Successful Life Tips. And I started writing just tips about things that I found to 
overcome depression because that's why I started writing it um, for self-help through depression. And I started thinking like as I was reading back through the tips that I was writing, like, oh, I have a story about that. I have a story about that. And so I just went through and added those stories and um, it, it was, you know, it was fine then, but I wanted to be a little more creative and inventive with it. So with it. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I started writing this uh, play and it was a play about a guy who runs into this girl at a grocery store and kind of falls in love with her kind of she's very weird not like any other girl that he's met before she's not abrasive but she is very trusting especially of somebody who is you know a stranger to her and it, it turned out to be um i won't i won't spoil the 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 ending although i'm sure i've kind of already did with saying the i read the book uh the man who <laughs> the man who wasn't there but um it's it has a little twist at the end that um kind of helps with that mm -hmm. feeling of depression so basically it's it's when you get so caught up in a moment of depression and your mind runs wild and your mind just goes with something that's kind of what happens to the main character in the book and it's so so i wrote it with each chapter is titled you know a self-help tip and half of it is in regular font paragraph uh, form about a story of a guy who's writing the self-help book who's explaining things about his life and then it goes into a play format where there's dialogue and scenes and action. Uh, so that's, it's kind of a half and half. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to put it, make it into a, you know, an actual play or a short movie and be able to tour it around with um, like talking about depression mm -hmm. and, and mental health and, and being, you know, mindfully healthy and that's yeah uh, then COVID hit so uh, <laughs> it just fixed everything so <laughs> yeah so don't have to worry about anything because all the schools yeah. are shut down so 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 he's just giving away free copies now because nobody else needs it or uh, actually no probably needs it more than ever so make sure to check out pick up a copy of I have a bunch book. it's this is the perfect timing um so so I'm really in. Yeah, I found it really easy actually to 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 make to like if you're thinking about writing or, or doing a book, I know that you want to want to eventually do something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon is really easy to do it. Like they just they it's basically a um, print self printing. They you know do handle all the printing and stuff. And you, uh, I wasn't ever looking to get rich off of this stuff, but you do get royalties from it. Yeah, um, they take a, a cut of you know paying. To have it printed and then you get a cut out of that so it was it was it was way easier than i thought um to get a book published so um my credit for i'm basically just down playing my credit as an author <laughs> <laughs> self-published 
Well, you know, it, well, this is fine. Uh, you read the War of Art, right? Yes. Or did, yeah, and that's a that's a book that um, you you and I have talked about briefly, just uh, as buddies in our conversation, which I think is such a great read about removing all those obstacles and, and really highlights the difference. But there's there's an infinity of difference between somebody that has an idea for the best book in the world that will ever be written and never writes it. And a person that actually writes anything and you did it twice. Yeah. So don't downplay your, your credit. You're already in the top uh, percentile of authors because you are one now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the, the, what drove me to do the poetry book first is that I was like, I always wanted to do this. Just do it. Like, I know it's probably not going to be great, but, like I said, I read Bo Burnham's and I was like, duh, <laughs> I guess it's like you could just put anybody out there now. Um, and I love Bo Burnham. Like his mm-hmm. book was great, but I also was like, oh, this is obviously you could just do it. And he had backing and stuff, but you know. Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's brilliant. He's, he's one of those guys that just sort of, he's, he's very good at multiple different mediums and stuff too. Um, but he, but he's not known for every single one, though. No, you know, just being yeah, straightforward, yeah. and that's okay. Because I like I when I think of him, I learned of him. Uh, it's funny. I learned of him as a comedian, but he got famous for doing YouTube music videos. Yeah, which a lot like of they were funny comedians but... are sort of snobby and will be like, oh, that's not real stand up. Um, but I know you and I both sort of have a much more open-minded view towards entertainers too. Yeah. Right? Cause, cause we both have a huge love for, for, I know one of my favorites, uh, Steve Martin. Yes. Who was just a magician and mu- musician. I think one of the most fun comedians of all time. I mean, there's, uh, that's, that's a huge list. That's a very difficult list to put together of who I think is the best comedians of all time. I don't even think it's necessary to rank, Comedians, I don't. I, it's, no. it's fun conversation, but I mean, it's uh, it's different. Com- I love comedy because it's such a diverse art, too. Yeah, it's such a, it's personal. Mm-hmm. So just like like writing and poetry, it's personal. As soon as you read something, I know for a fact that someone else is not going to take it the same way I took it, and that's how I feel. Comedy and entertainment is. That's why the two of my top three favorite comedians never consider themselves really comedians. Who were those? And Steve Martin. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. yeah. They were like, we're entertainers. And yes, we get people to laugh and people call us comedians, but I'm trying to entertain people. And that's all I want to do is entertain. And, uh, I wrote a, I wrote us a haiku by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. I wrote us a haiku for, for this. Lay it on me. On me. I am with my friend. We are doing a podcast. We'd rather gamble. I I always thought that haiku was the most boring of all forms, but you know what? You just changed my mind. Thank you. You are yeah. you're making huge moves on this podcast. This <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning into the final episode of the Silver Linings Playcast because we can't go anywhere from there. Uh, he just yeah. changed my mind on 
next one is going to be the silver dollar play cast. Ooh. Oh, hey. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I So, I one of the things I know about you is you do enjoy placing wagers on games of chance, my friend. I do. Uh, I do. <laughs> and they they do that in the movie. So they do some sports betting. Yes, they do. And and they do some betting on themselves. Oh. That's a good that's a good story. So, uh, but do you have any favorite games to play of chance? Um sometimes I eat a whole box of fiber one bars <laughs> before I go to sleep and then just see what happens. Have you ever won that one? <laughs> there are no winners in have that you ever one. Hit the jackpot. <laughs> oh, oh, I've hit the jackpot. <laughs> Coming up all seven times. <laughs> there is there is a one gambling device that i enjoy um it's a it is a game it's it's like it's i don't even know the name of it but when you hit the button it goes round (laughs) and that's the spin like there's no reels or anything you just hit it and a little little light jumps up and you either win or don't win, and I like that direct feedback from it. That's that's it's a, not going to tease you and be like, "Here's a seven, here's a seven, uh, a clover." No, it's just like hit the button, loser. Is, does this sound familiar? That's it. Is that? That's me winning. White. That's. Me. That's me pressing the button. <laughs> a lot. Losing a lot of money right now. Every, every one of those rare sounds is you pressing the button. Yeah, I think bet. $2 bets. I think I was doing $2 at that time because I was up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's go max. I know. Kind of kind of like, you know, they do, like you said in Silver Lines Playbook, they, they go double or nothing. Absolutely. No. Oh yeah, I guess getting back on to the topic of Silver Linux Playbook, which by the way, it can still be a date if you order raisin bread. What 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 do you think about that? That's my favorite line from the movie. That's when I fell in love with the movie, and that is Jennifer Lawrence. Do you remember that scene? I do. They were in the diner. Yeah, and oh yeah, you you should remember it because I've also made you recreate that scene on several comedy trips we've taken. Yes, at a Shoney's. It <laughs> was at a Shoney's. Yeah, and uh, I think it, North Carolina. I think it was somewhere. It's got uh, somewhere where it still exists. Um, yes, and yeah, I would, I would make you sit and uh, made the waitress take pictures of us so that I could meme it, just like we, you know, with the caption. Uh, it can still be a date if you order raisin bread. Now, what do you think about that line? Do you think it can still be? So I, the reason I love that line, mm-hmm. is I totally understand. Uh, Bradley Cooper's mindset. It's such it's such good writing that they take a, a silly little line that's like a very um, real thing that somebody might say, where he orders raisin bran on this this dinner that he's having with a friend ish, and he sort of sees like, oh, it's not a romantic date thing if I just order breakfast, and then she says, it can still be a date if you order raisin bran. Do you? So what is your call? Do you think it can be a date if you order Raisin Bran? I think it can. I think, like, because I 
I've had breakfast dates. You know, Ooh. What, happens you, what happens if you work nights? You know, you gotta we we work nights. Sometimes you gotta have brunch. Sometimes you gotta have breakfast. Um, I think it, it and I, I and that's I like the Silver Lines playbook because of not only this line, but the lines are so natural that it it does seem like oh somebody could say that in real life like it's got some that feeling great dialogue one of my favorite lines is uh when bradley cooper goes over to dinner uh with his with his friend and it's the first time he meets tiffany and they're it's it's a tense dinner and they're not having fun they start talking about medications and jennifer lawrence's character tells bradley cooper she goes you say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. And and the thing I love about it is that's not like a, a clean Hollywood movie line. Mm-hmm. Because cause if if you're writing like a, a fantasy movie or something, I think it would have been said the other way. It's like, um, you know, it's like what you say is not not appropriate. It is inappropriate. But it's, it's almost like she sort of trips over it. But it's on purpose. I mean, like, that's the line. You say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. Yeah, and that, and it's like a real person thing. And uh, oh, there's dogs in the background. Oh, nice. Sorry, that's I that's that's Tiffany saying the line. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's it's a line that it doesn't it doesn't have that switch like. I mean, in comedy, we always say put the punchline at the end, but the mm-hmm. punchline is she puts it straight up front. You say more inappropriate things. Yeah, that's the that's the, the twist of it. Now but I she me- says it right up front. Yeah, now I met you uh, doing comedy. That's how we became friends almost ten years ago. And I, um, one, I think you're a phenomenal comedian and comedy writer one of the things that drew me to you is that you always have extremely unique clever and funny premises like you just see the world in this wonderful different way um and one of the the things i sort of wanted to ask you about that is one where where do you get the inspiration for your comedy or like what you want to write about and do you think that that has helped you in becoming an author in different mediums for sure. I always, uh, when I think of something that's funny, I mean, I think every comedian, whether they admit it or not, are very motivated-based performers mm-hmm. um, as far as creating new content. they Some of their best content comes just out of nowhere, seemingly, because they are just a funny person. And that's kind of how I worked at started doing comedy is I didn't try to sit down and write for you know x and number of hours a day I would just whatever inspired me I would run with it as much as possible uh I, I was the youngest of three boys so I was always just trying to be funny around my brother's friends to be able to you know mm-hmm. fit in and they would come up with something that's funny, and I would always be the second to chime in and tag it. So that's why I always I'll look at something different because I was never the first in line to it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with 
you know, video games or um, clothing. Like, <laughs> I would always be second to something, but I would still want my input to be yeah. taken like I was the first one there. So I would always think secondarily and, and, and try to find something that nobody else has done before. That's why I love uniqueness over uh, formulaic comedy. Mm-hmm. Like Steve Martin and, and Andy Kaufman were so unique that it, I liked him better than, you know, uh, Jack Benny or, or uh, sure. I don't know, someone, you know, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld, who's very, very formulaic. And I can appreciate what he does. And when I listen to him, I laugh because it is funny. But I wouldn't rank a Jerry Seinfeld above a Steve Martin to me just because of the uniqueness of it. Yeah. No, I definitely think there's... there. Uh, so there's... I've always seen... I think there's different styles of comedy, too, and different purposes, in in a sense, where I think there's some people that are just trying to deliver funny observations, and then you have people that are, like, social commentators uh, who are trying to, like, get put put forward political or social opinions... And then you have people that are very introspective and, and almost, I don't know, you even want to say they necessarily come to comedy with an intent of self-help, but that's sort of the, uh, the, the effect of it, right? Um, you have like these, bro- and I don't believe every comic has to be a broken person either, but you have a lot of people that are like these, they're these broken people and they're drawn to the arts. Yeah. And in like talking about their own problems and being really honest with itself, sort of like having therapy, but also then helping other people by giving them that glimpse bravely into their own broken mindset, right? Is that making sense? Yeah, Uh, and I think that the, the act of comedy and just being completely alone on stage and everybody's rooting for you when you get on stage. Like nobody is in the audience anyway. Nobody in the audience is having you go up on stage and they want you to fail. Like they're at a comedy show mm-hmm. and they want you to make them laugh. So they're pulling for you. And that openness and freedom, you don't really get that in any other job. That's why I think a lot of broken people do tend to go towards comedy because they're allowed to be their broken selves. And if they can just connect with the audience, sometimes it's just about connecting with the audience. It's not even about making them laugh. It's giving them a, a, a true story that's, as far as entertainment, comedy should make them laugh and please don't not make them <laughs> laugh. But <laughs> yeah. you, you that the connection is what makes you a good comic or a bad comic. Mm-hmm. If you're connecting with the audience, they can n- not laugh at your stuff, but they'll still say, hey, I really liked your set because they connected with it. If you're you know, up there saying things that are obviously fake, you're just trying to get them to laugh really, you know, just, just not being true to you or um, to the character you're creating on stage, the audiences see right through that. And it's being broken allows you to comedy allows you to bring that brokenness to the forefront show somebody it and then be like hey that's that's all right yeah 
No, and I love that so much. And I love that from your comedy. I've literally seen people come up to you after shows and, and have connected with you so strongly. I think sometimes even people you wish didn't connect with you so strongly. <laughs> well, that's like, I don't, it's not that you don't want to talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. There's just some, like, people, some people don't have good social skills. And I'm not a very good... I'm right here. <laughs> I'm, I, you're talking directly to me. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> so it's, it's like making, like, trying to connect with them and, and, and they just don't, like, people, some people don't pick up on social cues. I mean, I don't do it all the time. Like, it's not a, I'm not a perfect person. Nobody's a perfect person. That's, my act is not perfect. And... Have you seen The Cutting Edge with Moira Kelly? Um, I've seen something with Moira Kelly. Perfect person. Okay, but you can continue. Sorry. Um, I saw a movie with Cuba Gooding. You, you shut your Kelly. mouth. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you love that connection you make with them and you love, I got, I, I, I do anyway. I love that connection I make with them. And I, and even those people where I feel uncomfortable because of how they're acting or how they're, how they're talking they're you know, mm -hmm. what they're doing. I don't ever push anybody away because I know that ultimately we all just want somebody to talk to like i i love talking to those people I, I i even maybe even more so than like huge fans that are like oh my god you're so good like i want you to tell me a story about your life after a show if i ever do a show again i might just continue writing <laughs> and not get on stage anymore um but yeah it's it's like i said the connection is it's really what i like about entertainment and mm -hmm. performance over making somebody laugh so this is an interesting thing that i found and i'm sorry this uh, this has become such a uh this is one of my expressions i keep saying this is one of the interesting things because i'm i'm so amateurish i don't have good transitions but i really do think this is interesting one of the things i found as a comedian is i always i always thought i wanted to be performer 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 mm -hmm. and i love that about stand-up comedy and I didn't even know how fulfilling writing felt until some of the writing you and I have been doing recently, where we are working on writing a TV show. And I felt that that was amazing, creating the world and characters and then getting to control everything. It's been this amazing new thing that I never saw when I wasn't as much on this side, have you had any of those feelings or sort of uh, revelations, change of thoughts that have affected your feeling on the level you want to perform versus write? For sure. And or I'm still, I'm still kind of battling with that because growing up, I've always, always wanted to be in front of the camera and there's part of me that still does because I, I don't want to sound, um, egotistical or or you know something like that but i i know i'm good in front of a camera um i'm not saying i'm the best but i know if i get in front of a camera i can make something work you are i'll say it. you were a great actor you're you're a great performer so i love I, watching you and and i know other people you. do too i love watching you and he's not talking about on stage <laughs> no <I'm> talking <laughs> about like <laughs> watch like watching... me sleep like watching him like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Moira Kelly yeah, hey, okay. Daybreak. All right, all right. In the so. movie Daybreak. 
Um, we're not yeah, allowed I've to been... mention movies by name on here because we're we're not sponsored, so we can't say Amazon. We can't say. Uh, I'm just kidding. Microsoft. Yeah. Apple. Well, you're just using my nicknames now. Uh, um, Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs> <laughs> Don't don't mention a better podcast. <laughs> don't mention the world's biggest podcast on the world's smallest podcast. <laughs> well, that's how you get big. Because I don't like, want to embarrass Joe. I don't. Maybe Joe will hear it and be like, "Who the f- send him a cease and desist letter?" <laughs> I don't care what they're doing. Actually, that is a huge. We <laughs> that has been my <laughs> one of my big strategies in entertainment is trying to get cease and desist letters from famous people. I've been like I've been doing research lately how to get banned from people's Twitter. <laughs> like how <laughs> to make them ban me. Yeah. Cuz I think that's hilarious. What I don't, have you I don't found? want to do um absolutely nothing. <laughs> there's there's no rhyme or reason to why people ban people on the internet. That that's the truth. <laughs> Just, well, it's okay. So now let's let's go into. Uh, I I was jokingly mentioning why <laughs> you watch me sleep. We have traveled a lot, right? We have. Spent, we have. I've definitely seen you sleep. Absolutely. I've been and, next to you while you slept soundly. I've woken up before you early in the morning and got coffee for us both from the Quick Trip parking lot that we were actually sorry pilot parking lot we were sleeping in which which is kind of crazy because some of these places even booked two rooms for us so i don't know what you were doing watching me sleep but uh <laughs> but on a lot so on a lot of these trips we have actually ended up watching uh a, a film series that like silver linings playbook is based on a book series yeah almost the, every single time we've the, been on the road it's been on the tv the twilight the movies we yeah. have we I have spent more time watching watching Twilight movies in a hotel with one of my best dude friends ever uh, than I ever imagined I would back in 2008 when they made the first Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you, you What do you what? think about the Twilight movies? Have Have you seen them all? I have. I actually just recently watched all of them. Which, back to which, back. Which is your favorite one? Um, I really enjoy. Um, Breaking Dawn Part One. <laughs> Bold choice there. Yes, I love it though. I love. Um, like, I'm just going I, right for number four. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Um, yeah, I, I I like all the others, you know, mm-hmm. but I think the Part One is you finally get over the like they knew what was happening. They got over the love story. Uh, of the like a young adult uh, movie story, and it started getting into an actual like the love was always there, but it turned into an actual plot line that I thought was fun, like mm-hmm. going against the uh, I forgot what they called themselves, but the head cons council or whoever it was, mm-hmm. and they started you know banding together. I thought it was really cool. So I guess I guess the most important question I have for you, Team ever- Jacob. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly I, what I wanted to know. I can still I be knew a date if you order raisin. Right. That's. I am. I am Team Jacob, all the uh, way. And and me too. But mostly just because I go against 
Uh, I'm I'm a contrarian. It's yeah. it's probably not like. Yeah, it's it's for no other reason than I know most people would be Team Edward. Well, so those are I, really those are really nice birds, contrarians. So, <laughs> uh. but I I just like if if the if the vampires in Twilight were more classic vampires, mm-hmm. I probably would have went Team Edward. But because there was so much changed about them, that turned me off of him. First off, and second off, team, Jacob was just a better a overall person and b hotter. So, so what you're saying right now is was my whole reason for going team Jacob, right? Like I'm not, I I will actually be in defense of these movies way more than a lot of people will be. I mean, I know they're fine, they're they're successful and did their thing, but I think some people still make fun of them. Mm-hmm. I did not love the fact that they sort of rewrote the vampire mythology differently. I thought if they had gone with a little more authentically close to what, what we think of from traditional vampire mythology, it would have yes. been even better. And I thought like the werewolf side was, was great because uh, nobody, it's funny. Like there, we've talked about this before. There's not that many werewolves. Like there's, there is a werewolf mythology that people sort of know a little bit about like, Oh, you turn into a wolf. It, midnight or something but a lot of people don't go into to those stories the way they do vampires and zombies yeah and stuff like that it's like werewolves were always an added monster Mm -hmm. it was never the main attraction so so they yeah i mean uh because i'm thinking of like the so you have like the underworld series um you remember that where they have you you at least have a little more of a traditional vampire um, portrayal, yes, going on. Uh, they're not shiny. No, that's they don't glisten in the sun. That's probably actually my biggest problem, like, and and only problem with that. That was such a weird way to rewrite them. Yeah, I I get, like, I understand. Mm-hmm. You don't want to write a young teen graphic novel, a young adult book all at night mm-hmm. because there's only a handful of things. And I do mean a handful <laughs> of things that young adults do at night. So That's a like, really good point. I get why she changed it. Um, or he, I actually don't know who wrote the book. Stephanie Myers. I get why he changed it. No, I get, I, I get why she changed it. It was actually Robert Pattinson's personal choice just in that moment. He, he got to the top of the mountain and he took off his shirt and he looks like that. So they, they wrote around it. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. By the way, the new Batman sparkles. I like that, hope so. Do you, do you think George Clooney's costume was great? Uh, just wait till you get a load of the next one. Right? I liked Mr. Freeze better. <laughs> Was uh, Ben Affleck's going to be the new Batman, or the the continuation Batman, right? Ben Affleck was. He did what, too, right? And and Robert Pattinson's going to be the next one. Oh, right. They, they decided that. Okay. Yeah, it's very exciting. And th- this is part of, okay, so let's go back to so, sort of my defense, and I think you can back me up on some of this. We've talked about these things before. Um, one, like I don't, so I don't think... Robert Pattinson is a bad actor at all. I think no. he his introduction to the world 
was in not the strongest script ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and that's not even to say that the Twilight movie was a bad movie. It's it's difficult to adapt a book into a screenplay. Yes, and so one of my they, favorite books, the movie was a a garbage can set on fire, eaten by a pack of wild dogs, and and excreted onto the face of a, a dead squirrel. Like that's how the movie was. Well names, me. name names. Um Aragon, the movie, was just so bad. Um the the series, the Inheritance trilogy or Inheritance Cycle, it was gonna be a trilogy, but he continued it onto four books, so he named it the Inheritance Cycle. They just took the first book, made mm-hmm. it into a movie and I was so excited about it. Rachel Weiss was the voice of Safira, which was the dragon. I was so excited. I love Rachel Weiss. She's an amazing actress, amazing uh, voiceoverist, and they just they they ruined the movie. And it was crazy because uh, John Malkovich was in it. He was the king. He was the he was the overall bad guy of the whole series, and it was ruined that the guy who like was great in casting. the full monty who was uh, who's the protagonist um some some random i don't even know his name he was a new a new person um i mean aragon was his name in the movie <laughs> and, and in the books um ed spielers spelliers oh yeah I got, wow this is this is a good cast uh jeremy irons Malkovich? Yeah, Jeremy Irons. Um, some other Jeremy Irons like, was uh, one of like his trainer. Like it was Robert Carlyle, who was in uh, the Full Monty and mm-hmm. Twenty Eight Days Later. Like Jimon Hansu, a, who I love his name. Uh, yeah, it was, it was such a star-studded cast, and I don't know why how, uh, but that guy's been in a lot of stuff too. How long is the book? Um, the first book is, is four something. Okay, so even that, just just estimating that height. Now, yeah, Silver Linings Playbook, the Silver Linings Playbook, is a little over two hundred pages. It was a seven-hour audiobook. Um, and even that, they cut a lot to make it into a movie. And I think sometimes that's some of the problems that you run into when you're trying to make a book into a movie. That just puts you in a very difficult position. I'm actually looking at the runtime. Aragon was one hour and 44 minutes, which is even a little short for, for like a fantasy epic like that. Yeah, there, it was actually close to 500 pages. I just I picked the book up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, adapting a book to a screenplay is difficult because they're a they're different mediums mediums. Um, so. You know, the detail and everything that Mm -hmm. you put into a book, you can have, and Stanley Kubrick did this great, although I don't think he ever, not that, not off the top of my head that I know he's adapted a book into a movie, but he did it great where he can show you a book with a picture. Like, he was that good. He was amazing. Filmmaking. And to do that with, you know, some things you can do in a book that you can't do in a movie uh, just because of the 
a the budget yeah and b and b it's just you know you can't hide something from the viewer's eye in a movie but you can hide it from their imagination in a book so uh what what are some of your favorite movies i know we're transitioning into um writing for for tv Mm-hmm. And some, and that's so interesting too, because also I never, like I went to film school and I really wanted to do, I wanted to write features. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when I went to film school, I, I won't say exactly when that was, but whenever somebody that's about 27 ish, uh, would have gone to film school. 86. Um, uh, I hate you. <laughs> uh, features were the thing, but it was becoming TV. And now it's like TV is so good. T- yes. I, 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 um, I, I think well, it was weird because like I, I growing up, I never I guess I never differentiated between the two because it was still like, yeah, I'm I'm 30. I'm younger than you, older than you. Sorry. And I think that <laughs> well, I love you again. Uh, when I was a kid, like we had TVs. But I mean, the there was the one that I used all the time worked sometimes and didn't work sometimes like it was we had an antenna so <laughs> you didn't you didn't know like I, I i tried to watch the same things like the same shows um but it wasn't until i was in like high school that we really had really consistent stream of television so yeah. i never differentiated between a movie and a television show I knew, like, I, I always watched the Isle of Lucy show before I went to sleep. But as far as entertainment value, I was like, oh, yeah, movies and TV, that's the same industry. And now mm-hmm. getting into it, I'm like, oh, no, they're, they are vastly different. Uh, if, if you're, you know, you want to be a TV writer, that is way different than if you want to write movies. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. From creating the story down to pitching your idea to having it created and produced is all different I, man and and we could go on about that uh but i want to i want to play a game because we were we were running out of time but i'll definitely have you back on to talk about that stuff uh are we are about to do a new segment that i have never done on before partially because it takes another person uh-huh. for me to play a game but we are about to um play a game and we're going to see if this works. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with Cameo? The I website. Am, yes. All right. Well, we are about to play Cameo Corner. Cameo is a website where actors, film and TV stars, musicians and athletes will give you a personalized message if you send them money. And so what we are going to do is on Cameo Corner, I am going to ask you, I know you're familiar with Cameo already. I'm going to ask you to guess a celebrity and whether their service is available on Cameo, and then you have to guess how much they charge for one of those personalized messages. Now, um, I just brought up the website and crashed. Okay. Okay. So do you you understand the concept? Yeah, I have to guess an an actor. Mm-hmm. Actually, they have they, so the categories they have of celebrities. They have uh, actors, reality TV uh, personalities, athletes, musicians, comedians, content creators, 
and basically anybody that might be hard up for cash that wants to make some extra money. Okay. Uh, and and for those that don't know, I think the average price is like uh, ranging from thirty dollars to several thousand dollars for for like a personalized video message for happy birthday or something. So all you just you guess me a celebrity. That's the the first part, and then if you get that right. We will try to find out if you can guess how much they are worth. Okay. For an example, I'll set the the baseline for this so everybody knows. You can get Chris Tucker for three hundred dollars. He will he will do a personalized message for you. All right. So, do you have a celebrity that you think might be on cameo? Um, I think that Jason Biggs that is a good guess Jason Biggs and we do not have a Jason Biggs there is a Casey Biggs a Biggs Chris and a Biggs Big Estate he is not doing anything how is he not on there he should be on here I feel like this is maybe he just doesn't know about it uh, ah, yeah. that's yeah, maybe a bad publicist. You should actually. I'm super excited. I just saw that uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is on here. <laughs> really? Is Moira Kelly? Uh, no, I already checked that one. Okay, man. I, I uh, knew you were going to. I just wanted to. What about Cuba Gunn Jr. Her love Cuba, interest in the what, movie Daybreak? Hey, okay, so let <laughs> Cuba get. Nope, Cuba getting Jr. Ice Cube is though. Ice Cube. Okay. Yep. That, so uh, he was in a movie that I watched a lot as a child called surviving the game. Oh yeah. Okay. There was three like surviving the game esque, the most dangerous game esque movies that came out this year too. The, the sort of like person hunt uh, is, has become popular in genre in this last, um, I have watched none of them. Have you not? I watched, uh, I think, not not The Hunt. I watched Ready or Not or something like that and, uh, uh, recently. And it was... I have not. It was, was, it it good? was all right. It was... Yeah. I, I, That's such a difficult yeah. genre, I think, because it's, it's man versus man set in nature. Mm-hmm. And, like... I don't know, you always, you have that, no one wants to see a movie where they go on a hunt for a, a human, and they end up killing that human, they're like, hey, we did it! I'm like, yeah, good job. Yeah. Like that. Like you know, one of my favorite people hunt movies, series is, is uh, The Hunger Games. Yes. That starring is Jennifer one. Lawrence. That adds a, a another element to a dystopian future that has a game show where the win and loss is life or death. I know. And, um, <laughs> well, I know I was saying that's, that's why that one works. I think. Yeah. Now, have you, so have you seen all of those movies? I have. And I've also seen the, um, the movie battle Royale, which is kind of what I love. Battle whole, Royale. There's a whole subgenre of video games, very popular now, that are based off of those types of movies where you're set in this world. You have to find 
weapons and you have to be the last person standing. Yeah, crazy. That's, that's like the biggest thing now. Uh, you were, uh, so this that actually leads in perfectly to um do we do we cancel the game already? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. That was uh I th- I think that worked. You're like you you both yeah. won and lost. It's Okay. Yeah. It's like who's lying. The rules are made up and the points don't matter. So I won and lost you like did. most of the <laughs> most of the celebrities on Cameo. You, yeah. <laughs> are you on Cameo? <laughs> Not yet. I haven't won anything. This whole interview was just fill out your profile to put you on Cameo <laughs> for you. You can just make your money. Now, yeah, Can't wait no, to make three dollars. I want. I, I, so you were talking about video games. I know you are a streamer on yes. Twitch. Or tell tell me about that. Where can people find you? And what what are you doing on there? Or something. Yeah, I'm on a, a Twitch.tv slash Conrad is silly. Um, which is also the same as my uh, Twitter and Instagram. Conrad is silly. Um, I right now I'm playing this game called Team Fight Tactics, and it's an auto chess game based in the League of Legends uh, lore. And I I play other video games, and I could stream other video games um, at a higher level, but. The reason I like the auto chess is because you don't have to be so engaged in the game. Mm-hmm. You can interact with with people in chat and other people. So, and I I like that about like I like playing video games. I grew up playing video games, but I again that connection. I, I know some people that I only know through the chat system on Twitch, and I consider them to be good friends because I just know them from that mm-hmm. um, am i a sad person yes but i enjoy uh <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's 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 i i like the streaming especially now because i mean there's barely any stages you can get on and perform you can do virtual comedy but let's be honest virtual comedy is not real comedy um hot take unpopular opinion no i don't i don't think you're right so so i think I think there is space for for a platform to emerge for comedians to translate eventually, but I don't think they've found it yet. No, I I think it's. I don't it's, think a Zoom call is it. It's not the. They're trying to recreate what they had on stage, and what needs is is somebody to come along and innovate the medium uh, to create a new thing. Because I, I think we've talked about this before that like the, the, the YouTubers have been having a channel that have, is entertaining, but they've been doing it a different way for a long time. So they're sort of already ahead of the game of getting you to be engaged in watching an entertaining monologue, yeah, type thing. And comedians, when they're going on these these live feed shows, are are really having this very strange. They're trying their best. Like I'm not criticizing any of it. It's it, mm. they're doing what they can. But I think they really need to to reinvent our idea of what the show is, what an online comedy show is. Yes, because going and trying to do stand-up just on, again, the connection thing, just having it on a video, you lose that connection. One of the biggest – the moment that this connection-based idea flicked and, and switched in my mind mm-hmm. – was when I was opening for Eliza Schlesinger in 
at the Improv in Atlanta, which is no longer there, I shut it down because I'm the best. Um, but the, <laughs> no, it uh, it went bankrupt or they sold the plot. <laughs> anyway, um, the the, uh, it, the the show she was doing was during her freezing cold or freezing hot. Um, that was the show she was doing, and in the room, feeling her energy on stage, the energy from the audience, the laughter was one of the best comedy experiences um, that, I've, that I've been a part of as far as big stage productions. Um, there have been other shows that I liked better, but that whole atmosphere was just incredible. Mm -hmm. And then when I, I was excited to share that with others when she released it on Netflix, and then I told people about it, and I watched it myself, and there was just something missing about that feeling like I, I mean i already knew the jokes which is neither here nor there as for comedians like we can know the joke and still enjoy it just as much if not more mm -hmm. because we appreciate the work that goes behind it the twists the formulas everything the originality of it uh, i think we can appreciate that more so we can enjoy it on a different level um maybe not more or less but on a different level yeah and there was just something missing on it that, and I think that's what's happening with the Zoom calls and, and videos and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care to watch your YouTube video of you on stage doing comedy. I want to be in the room while you're doing that set. Absolutely. And it's not, and like, that's not a, um, insult to all these people. It's sort of a compliment to what they do live. And, yes. and it's, it's just, it's a shame. They're not able to do it the way they are best at it right now. Yeah. And so they're all trying to find um, ways to to make it through this time where we can't do the thing that we felt like we had to do. Uh, one one last thing. Where so you've you've told us about your your Zoom or not or your uh, <laughs> your Twitch channel. Yes. So you've what? Where else can we find you on social media? Where are your books available? Plug, tell me everything. Uh, how I could connect with you if I wasn't me and already knew where uh, where you sleep. <laughs> uh, Twitch, uh, Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram again at uh, Conrad is silly. Um, the books you can find through uh, if you type in. Conrad poetry on, uh, on Amazon. You can find that. Uh, it's also on my website, which I haven't updated in so long, but Conrad is silly.com. Um, you can see that I'm still, I believe I'm still the host of the 2020, um, <laughs> the 2020 world series of comedy. I am on my website, which is no longer, um, I'm no longer the host of that, uh, but I will be the winner of it. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's where you can, you can find me. And also, I, like I said, a stream on Twitch, um, you know, every, usually Monday through Wednesday, um, to, uh, usually around 11 or 12 Eastern to like four or five. So. I know that I've seen you on there. And so I'm, I'm sorry. I, if I had been more professional, I would have gotten some of that stuff ahead of time so you could have just rolled into the the titles of where you were and but anyway it'll all be in the show notes uh miss mr conrad bromberic it has been absolutely fantastic 
having you on here. Thank you so much. Will you come back and discuss more things where we can actually discuss some of the writing, which I didn't even get to? <laughs> of course. I would love to. I would love to discuss writing. And we'll probably discuss writing outside of the podcast, too. So if you want, uh, PayPal us money, and we'll put you on a phone call, and you can listen to us talk about comedy that way. Absolutely. So hit that like and subscribe button. That's that's not a real thing. That's just what I say because I watch too much YouTube, but this is a podcast. Yeah. But uh, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. Uh, we are going to um, post this and we will we'll be back with further interviews. Uh, check in next week where I'm going to start working down Pat's reading list, his summer reading list for, for Nikki's summer reading that she assigned with talking about some of those books. Uh, until then, uh, Excelsior, and we will see you down the road. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh, yeah.